0: Do you love drinking wine? Have you ever thought to yourself, wouldn't it be fun to work in the wine industry? Many of us have, but our guest tonight, Netta Bakshi and her co-founders actually acted on it. So let's find out the pros and cons of working in the wine industry and more about Netta's company, Pristine. everyone welcome back so we're watching you're watching episode 103 of YFE chat live the live show that happens every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific 9 p.m. Eastern I'm your host Jennifer Dono you can tweet me at Jennifer Dono use the hashtag YFE chat we've got stacy Harris at the stacy Harris on our YF entrepreneur Twitter handle so make sure that you're tweeting your takeaways during the show like I said the theme is really the wine industry serving the wine industry but since Netta launched pristine with her co-founder she's now gone into a number of other luxury areas and so anyone that wants to work with luxury brands this is a perfect episode for you episode 103 is brought to you by oval Eye tv Ovalai believes in building community through shared experiences we produce professional live webcasts that bring tribes together and by mailchimp MailChimp is the best way to design, send, and share email newsletters. You can get started today at MailChimp.com for free. And don't forget to sign up for our Mailed It uh, mailing list. Joining YFE, that's the best way to stay in the loop with everything that's going on. If you go to yfe.me forward slash mailedit, you can find out more there. And then, of course, last week we had on MailChimp. Um, to talk to us about email marketing and optimizing that uh, for our businesses. So make sure that you look at that. All of our replays go up on YouTube and iTunes in both video and audio format. So you can go to the gym and listen in. So you can be on the treadmill and listening about wine tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so um, just a couple things before we bring Netta on. Uh, The action calendar. Uh, If you go to dailyactioncalendar.com, you can get involved. This is a great way to meet other young female entrepreneurs. Today, we were sharing, uh, the action was to share about uh, when you first got started in business. And so, uh, we had some awesome, really inspirational posts. A couple people uh, shared um, the image of them sending in their LLC forms and also of like their journal entry that they're going to start their business today. I loved it. So, it's so much fun. Tomorrow's action is, again, go to dailyaction.com Calendar.com to find out more. Um, but tomorrow's action is to, um, gosh, where did I put it? A scene from nature. So again, if you go out for a run, it's just a great way to meet other young female entrepreneurs. Snap a picture and tag it with YFE action. And then finally, Bootstrap Book Club. We're starting uh, to wrap it up. We're do- doing Q7 tomorrow. You can find out more at going by going to YFE.me forward slash. Uh, <laughs> Forward slash bootstrap books. <laughs> I need to slow down. I'm starting to to mumble. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about Netta. She's the co-founder of Pristine. It empowers brands to engage with consumers, connect and build relationships, and protect the integrity of their products. Netta is the co-founder, VP, and head of sales. Netta, thank you so much for joining us tonight.
1: Thanks for the introduction, Jen. How are you guys? Um, so, yeah, I have been... I'm the co-founder of Pristine, and we basically make products interactive. So we take physical products and we bring them, make them interactive, so consumers can scan them while shopping at a, you know, a retail location at any location. Um, you scan the product, and it will give that consumer information about that specific product. So for example, winery, which is the industry that we started in, uh, you would scan a QR code is what we've really started with and it would give the consumer tasting notes, ratings, reviews, recommendations, wine pairings, um, all interesting things that a consumer is looking for at the tip of their fingertips while at BevMo, for example, looking to decide what bottle of wine to get. So when they scan that, um, now they have all those that information. They can actually start to engage with that winery directly, see videos, see the story about the wine, the history, and the brand is in, stays the integrity of the brand is is there. So at that scene, it's it's interesting for the consumer. Now, for the brand, the winery is now able to see where their products are going, who's engaging with their products and actually connect with those consumers post-distribution. So wineries today have no idea who's buying their wine post-distribution. Once they sell it, uh, they have no idea as to where that wine is going. So we provide a platform for consumers and brands to engage at that level.
0: So, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into Pristine because you have a number of co-founders and I believe you actually started, was it in a a business school or an acceleration program? Yeah,
1: so actually I've been in the wine industry for about seven years and uh, for a company called Monvera Glasticorn, mainly did design and packaging and headed up their sales team over there. and it was a startup and we got acquired by a private group of investors and i'm really you know startups get me really excited so this is my second startup and yeah we have two co-founders um one has been a a best friend of mine for about 12 years and his our other co-founder went to business school with him at haas and so that's how we all kind of came together um we do we are funded um we actually went through a couple different programs um through founder.org. Um, we did a c- bunch of business plan competitions and um, have have and are located right now at an accelerator in Berkeley operating out of Skydeck.
0: Wow. So now the company didn't actually start with focusing on the wine industry, though. I mean, it, it, you talked about in a Forbes article basically that uh, there's a lot of different areas that you could have taken the same concept in. One of them was... Um, uh, immunizations or going into a developing world and making sure that those were still good basically and tracking the use of that but you ultimately went the wine industry so why did you choose to start there other than of course your background in it? So actually
1: we did start uh, we did decide to start in the wine industry so that was always the goal um, the product changed though so the initially our product idea was a temperature tag that would go on wine bottles to track temperature so um, when consumers receive that bottle or buy that bottle they're confident that that wine is in pristine condition which was um, you know wine gets damaged over you know i think our threshold was 100 degrees for 18 hours so what we learned talking to different wineries was that temperature was a concern and that threshold was high enough where they wouldn't get complaints all the time. But one of the things that became an issue was that was that um, the the if the pro- if the product was damaged who was going to pick up that liability. There was a, a big liability there. So we kind of and and the product we had initially uh, started with was expensive. It was about $5 a bottle. And that was really a turn off to those wineries. And and when selling to wineries, it's um, it's a very slow process and they immediately thought it was a cost to their their packaging and and it was just a complete turnoff so we we kind of shifted a little bit and and came up with a a smart tag that detects anti-counterfeiting but at the same time allows that platform for consumers to engage with the winery
0: and how did you know all of these were problems like you were saying this was you know this is an issue a known issue for the winery did, was this you talking to them directly did you just cold email and approach people or is this from your past in networking
1: You know, um, it's funny because my co-founder really wanted to sell wine in in India, and that was his main idea. And so he's like, I'm going to sell wine in India, but by the time it gets to India, it's going to be damaged, and there's no way to find out where or when or how it was damaged. So that's sort of where the idea kind of started. Um, But in terms of the problem, it was really just talking to different wineries. So once we kind of had... Um, a solution in terms of the temperature we started as we started those conversations it was like yeah it's a problem yeah i don't i won't pay for that much for it but it wasn't that big of a problem for them to kind of take that investment uh so that's why we kind of diverted in in that sense yeah
0: that makes sense but the initial contact with the winery how did you make that was that you because you're a head of sales was this someone uh, physically emailing someone, picking up the phone, calling them, networking, how did you get in, in touch with the decision makers at the winery in the first place?
1: So it was picking up the phone and calling and talk, mm-hmm. trying to find the appropriate person to talk to. I mean, that's that's how you do it. I mean, emails are okay, but it was really, I was trying to leverage the industry contacts that I knew and kind of bounce the idea off of them initially. So we really talked to maybe 60, 70 wineries initially and started to get, you know, feedback. It wasn't until we really kind of dived deep into that developing the product that we learned that wineries really did not want to invest in that in that area, um, which is what made us kind of shift and focus more on the direct-to-consumer and also the 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 integrity and protecting that
0: so now you're going the direct to consumer route uh, on your website earlier because what netta and i were talking before we went live last week i was working with her on getting uh, the show ready and you had a completely different website and you were (laughs) really focused in the wine industry and like you said since you had that great success there you were able to open it up into a, a broader range of luxury brands uh, so, mm-hmm. with the with the initial website, you were talking about working with consumers, um, direct to consumer. You were working with wine distributors, right? Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. and then the wineries, really, right? So, really, our, our main focus
1: was always the wineries. You know, in the future, we always had the plan of of moving into other segments and in different industries. But it's sort of um, it, we found out that. The time that it took to kind of close a sale in the wine industry was very long. So right now we're in pilot modes and we have successful pilots happening with with the wine industry. And we're working with now a chocolate company, for example, and also now expanding into apparel. Um, So we're not there yet, but that's that's where we're heading. See,
0: and you bring up an interesting point in conversation: the idea of how long it takes for a sale to close. So you might get this contact with a winery if if you're a graphic designer, or if you're offering a a product like your product, where it's a physical add-on and it's you know increasing the expense of the of the wine bottle. You might get that contact Mm -hmm. with the winery, but the time it will take to close the sale is really going to hurt your your bottom line your cash flow as far as um, being a startup and working with that what kind of timeline when you say a long time for it to close what kind of timeline are you talking about
1: so it really depends on the winery and what their schedule is and what their needs are right so for example we have a winery who wants to incorporate our tags but they're not bottling for another year so they're going to bottle in I think no January next year and then they're going to store their bottles because wine doesn't always just go straight up from bottling to shelves so there's a, they have to store it for about a year so now we're looking at two years before we actually go are in the marketplace Oh my gosh. Um, so there's that <laughs> that delay is, is one the other is um, so once we realized that we started go- targeting cons- uh, wine that had had been using QR codes
0: on their packaging
1: today so we kind of connected with those wineries and turned them onto our platform which is what a couple of the pilots that we're doing now but definitely the the sales cycle I think can be slow no matter what industry I just think with wineries it can be a little bit slower than than other industries so for example you make that initial a call with that appropriate person, but they might not handle the actual production, for example. So you're talking to somebody in marketing, they pass you to somebody else, and there it could be a long trail, but the the sales cycle can can definitely take a while
0: Well, that's interesting. and I like that you point out that you you started working with wineries that already had that QR code on there because mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard a number of people say, uh, don't create new habits. Just uh, fix those, you know, like if someone is doing a, a QR code, give them a different type of label or a different way of tracking it versus creating this new habit of, oh, now you're going to track your bottles kind of a thing. So um, mm-hmm. I think that's a great point to remember. Now, the difference between the winery then and then the, like, the, for example, the other luxury brands that you're working with, like the chocolate company, is that they're in production then all year.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they can put on our tags at any point. Um, but QR codes is mainly the the functionality that we're starting off with, um, and NFC. But NFC, uh, which is near-field communication, not all phones have NFC, but most phones, um, most people who have smartphones will download a QR code reader like Red Laser, for example, and use that to scan a QR code. The thing about QR codes is that the adoption rate is still pretty, pretty minimal, um, so yeah. we're, we're trying to kind of push the the learning curve of QR codes. And I think what we learned is that one of the biggest challenges was QR codes to today and up to up till now have been used wrongly. So you know, on a wine bottle or anything really, you scan it, it takes you to a, a non-mobile optimized website um, or a, web, a dead um, a dead web. Uh, splash page, for example, or an error message or a video that ends that doesn't take you anywhere. So it's not really giving that consumer anything. People need a reason to scan a QR code, right? You can't just, if they scan it and they scan it and they don't get anything, it kind of creates some sort of barrier. So what we're trying to do is create that when you do scan that QR code, we're actually giving you something. So we're working with all of the our pilots to kind of incentivize those consumers. So the more you scan, you get, you know, f- tasting, um, free tasting passes, for example, or 20% off, for example. So different incentives to kind of in- get those... Um, consumers to try to scan more QR codes. And
0: what's the motive behind this? So if you're working with a luxury brand, whether it be winery or a chocolate company or a fashion brand or something like that, are they are they trying to increase engagement as social an important thing for them? I mean, wh- why would they even look at this interaction in the first place? So the main reason is that they
1: do not have any idea who their consumers are post-distribution. So they know that um, you know they're selling to Whole Foods, or they're selling to Molly Stones, or they're selling to Bloomingdale's, but besides that, and they know maybe how much they're selling, besides that, they don't know who that consumer is. and the brand story might get lost through distribution right so for example you're at a store the sales associate might not know everything about that product but with a click of your phone you're able to see oh this linen is from so and so how to care for it um, who the, who started the company and you kind of like get the story and so now you're building that relationship with that brand, it makes you closer and that brand doesn't lose their vision and now the brand has has an idea of where their products are going and the goal is to kind of um, shift a little bit of those consumers to sell direct.
0: So data, the data of who their actual consumer is, is important to them now, and that's something that you guys have packaged in a software as a service format, right? So anything that's pulled in from that consumer on the mobile device is that being pulled in and being organized and presented to the to the brand?
1: Yeah. So we provide the brand with analytics as to you know who we don't provide contact information because we ourselves don't even have that information. We just say, okay, you've had this many scans. This is your number one selling store. This is your number one selling product. This is the number one selling zip code. And then for example, in the wine industry, they can see that 95 people in Austin, Texas just bought their 2010 Cabernet, okay? And so now that winery is able to send a targeted message through the app and specifically target those 80, 80, 90 people in Austin and say, hey, our winemaker is going to be in Austin next week. Join us for a private event. Invite your friends. It's, it makes it a little bit more exclusive. Or, hey, um, next time you're in at the store you bought your the wine at, here's 10% off or kind of like that to build that relationship.
0: Well, and, you know, just to take it back to some of the YFE's that are watching this, while you have this large, um, you know, funded company, and, and pristine that has the the software capabilities, and you're working with companies that can afford to work with you. I mean, there's a number of micro wineries and smaller luxury brands out there that are just getting started that I'm sure would love to work one on one with someone. And so the things I'm pulling out from what you're saying is that data is important to them, whether they Definitely. know it or not. Uh, and then, and I feel like a lot of this can be done on that micro level without having the software to begin with. I mean, once you get into those larger companies, of course, I could see where there's huge value and what you do so and then going back into the actual fund or you know the the makeup of your company so mm-hmm. did did you have any type of development background did any of your co-founders did you have I mean one technical co-founder what did that look like so my two
1: co-founders are both IT guys so um, Navas has been his uh, our CTO he's been at Orange heading up their technology side uh, for about 15 years and Vic Thayrani is our CEO and he has been from at Microsoft for about 11 years. So they're both coming from the technical side of, and of mobile development.
0: So you're well set up. What advice would you give to another young female entrepreneur that might has an idea that might have an idea uh, to do something like this, you know, like a software as a service type of a piece, but they have no t- no technical co-founder and no idea how to even get started? Um, you know,
1: It's interesting. Um, For advice, I think that one of the biggest things is to kind of research an industry and find out a problem and and try to solve that problem. So it's impossible because there's lots of problems out there and solutions, but I think that that's one of the main things. And you can't do it alone is another tip. Um, Honestly, like, Without my two co-founders, I would be going insane. We, you know, we have that complete trust with each other, which I think you need with your co-founders. So that's definitely another piece of advice. Don't do it, don't try to do it alone.
0: So and there's a couple of questions on the chat around the QR codes. Uh, you were talking about incentives, taking it back there a bit. Um when when a winery puts out a QR code or any type of luxury product, what are some of the, the top incentives? Is that something that you work with them on, by the way? Does Pristine offer suggestions as far as what are incentives to give to give people? And, and if so, what are those?
1: Yeah, we're definitely working with the the our marketing department will work with the um, the brand's marketing department and kind of come up with interesting ideas um, in terms of what would be the best way. What is their what motive are they trying to reach for this specific targeted message, for example? Um, and we'll come up with different ideas. You know, whether it's a a twenty percent off or a ten percent discount code or. Um, vis- tasting room visits or something like that. It, it just sort of depends. You know. Maybe it's incentives to come to private exclusive events just for people in that area, stuff like that.
0: Well, and do you feel like discounts are really effective or do you think people want that exclusive? Because I've heard a number of different um, opinions on that. Do you think exclusive deals, exclusive events, exclusivity is more uh, mm-hmm. exciting or is it the discounts?
1: You know, that's that's a good question, actually. Um, I think people really like that exclusivity thing because, you know, finding a deal, you know, sometimes you can find a deal here and there, but if it's coming from the brand direct, I think that, um, and it's exclusive, I think people kind of value that a little bit more because it makes them feel like, you know, a little bit more special, right?
0: Yeah. Well, and I've heard uh, Mark Cuban talk about the whole idea of experiential, uh, being something that's more valued today than anything else, any cost savings or whatever it is. People want to increase the amount of experiences they have. So I think that's a great tip, uh, kind of getting off track a little bit. But if you're offering a QR code or whatever it is, focus on experience over discount, or maybe both, I don't know. It's still an interesting conversation to have. So right. uh, I wanted to ask you about going back to the structure of the company. You talked about the initial product being a $5 addition to each bottle. So did you ever go the hardware route or was it always the software as a service piece?
1: No, we are a um, hardware and a software solution. So we um, have the option to do both or just one. Um, so. once we learned that that $5 temperature tag was going to be too expensive, we kind of modified it so that it's actually just a smart tag which has the counterfeit built in um, and and it has the QR code or NFC embedded in it as well. So we do have those smart tags that we offer to customers or if they just want to incorporate us into their current packaging, we just do the software then.
0: And then as far as raising capital goes, did you do that strictly through uh, the the incubators and the programs that you've been through or was that outside funding as well?
1: So we did, we've done both. Um, we applied for, um, many business plan competitions and through them, we found, uh, we found out about founder.org and Michael Baum is actually, um, one of our main investors. Um, he, uh, He's one, and then we have a couple other investors as well.
0: And was the wine industry, was that something that was attractive to people, the idea that you were going to be focusing on something that, like you mentioned in the Forbes article or your co-founder did, that it was something that people make repeat purchases on. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, what were the other points that made it attractive? I forget what all of them were. But it was interesting to look at it from that perspective.
1: Yeah, I mean, wine is something that everyone's drinking all the time, right? And it's hard when you go to the store, like, what what wine to pick, which bottle to pick. So I think that's definitely something that was attractive to, A, our investors and, you know, also for us because we want to make it more exciting.
0: Well, and I love the idea of getting started in the wine industry. Just, I, I... I made sure that that was the topic of this, like I was telling you earlier, because I think it plays into yeah. a lot of our fantasies, this idea that we all love to drink wine, and maybe not all of us, but the majority of young know, female entrepreneurs enjoy yeah. a glass of wine, <laughs> and it's it's just a fun idea to think that you could work with someone or solve a problem, and it feels like they have probably a number of problems. They feel, when I visit a winery, it does kind of feel like going back where I'm sure they're doing a number of things that are you know more advanced, more 2.0 type of a thing, but it still kind of feels like a Stepping back in time, sometimes with some of them. Oh, uh, so definitely. <laughs> I hope. I mean, <laughs> As far as giving advice to any young female entrepreneur that wants to break into that type of a field, what would you tell her to do?
1: I would say go hang out with a winemaker and kind of work out, work around harvest time, and and hang out with them and get to know them, and and that's the best way to really learn any industry is to kind of just dive in straight with that with that specific you know, uh, industry that you're going in and, and then it makes you really learn more about that industry and kind of, um, see what, what the loopholes are, what's, what their problems are, um, but it's, and it's fun, like I've, I've worked so many wine events, I've gone to too many wine events in life, (laughs) um, it's crazy, (laughs) but it's just so fun going to all the wineries and tasting rooms, they're all so different from each other, like whether you go to Napa or Sonoma and um, the winemakers that you actually talk to. The interesting thing about the industry, the wine industry, is that they don't consider themselves competitors with each other. They consider themselves as friends and and just, you know. So that's a really, really interesting thing to know about that industry is that they, they're producing the same products, right? Wine, there how many different? wines are there, but when they, when they talk about each other, they're all friends, and they all know each other, and they're all just buddies, and they're like, oh, you're doing this, that sounds so interesting, I'm making this kind of Chardonnay, and, and to me that's a very, very cool, and something that I really admire in that industry.
0: I love the idea of hanging out with winemakers, just period, I think, (laughs) like fun, and discovering a problem that they have. So, Netta, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You gave us a lot of great takeaways as far as working with the wine industry or any luxury brand, really. And the piece about QR codes and engagement, I think, is definitely a worthwhile takeaway. So, Netta, where can everyone find out more about about Pristine and um, about yourself? So, um, Pristine, Drink Pristine is
1: our website, and I, can, um, I guess you can send out my email. It's um, netta at drinkpristine.com, N-E-D-D-A, and we have a Twitter page. We're, we're, we're out there, so um, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn as well.
0: Awesome. Well, Netta, again, thank you so much for joining us tonight.
1: Thank you for having me. I can't wait to see the other videos next month.
0: Yay! All right, so everyone, you've been watching Netta Bakshi. She, she's the co-founder of Pristine at drinkpristine.com. This has me thinking, like, why this... I should have been in the wine industry much sooner. The Forbes article was funny. What attracted me to her when I I, I did a quick Google and I looked at the Forbes and it talked about, would you like to have wine bottles on your desk? And I was like, okay, this girl is cool. <laughs> we should get in touch with her. So any. So anyway, thank you so much for watching, everyone. Uh, this is a live show that happens Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Show up. It's 30 minutes live. You can connect with people on the chat as we discuss this if you're watching it later on iTunes or YouTube. Um, if you're not and you're watching it uh, live right now, make sure that you go to youtube.com slash YF Entrepreneur and subscribe and watch some of our past videos. Some There's a, over 102 videos. I mean, there's also the daily Gencast stuff you can uh, get caught up on. But anyway... Uh, This has been Jennifer Dono. Thank you so much for watching. I hope to see you next Thursday where we're talking about local floral deliveries. It's all about a girl in San Francisco, Farm Girl Flowers. She's disrupting the floral industry. It's going to be really interesting. I hope to see you guys next Thursday. Um, Until then, have a fantastic week.